Sharing your faith story can help protect you from demonic attack. How? You'll learn that in today's episode titled Armor, Shoes of Peace for the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We're continuing the series, Spiritual Warfare, based off Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Here's senior pastor, Perry Duggan. Have you experienced power in Jesus' name? Are you standing now reliant on that? Uh Uh-oh. You're in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) There's all kinds of surprises up here. We continue our series today, Spiritual Warfare. And today's message focuses on footwear. How many of you have over a dozen pairs of shoes? Oh, you're pointing. Two dozen. Three? Four dozen. Four dozen. Well, we're focusing on one primarily today, but a lot of us have a lot of shoes, don't we? And today's message is entitled Shoes of Peace. Turn back to our passage, Ephesians chapter 6, which is the full or the whole armor of God, different translations label it different ways. And we'll pick up at verse 13 again. It's on page 946 in this Bible available here. This is a New Living Translation. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Do you think we're living in a time of evil? So do you think you need help resisting the enemy? I think we may need some help becoming aware of the enemy so that we can resist. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Now, I want to show you an an alternate translation. If you have the New Living, it's written in real small type at the end of that chapter. And it says, or for shoes, put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. Here's an alternate translation from the NIV. The NIV I like in in uh, the full arm of God because it, it uses the different Roman parts of armor and um, rather than translating it to what its meaning is. So the NIV says, stand firm with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Remember, Paul is writing from Roman prison. He is likely chained to one, possibly even two soldiers at the same time. And so he's comparing their armor to the armor of God that we need to battle Satan or demonic forces. The Roman soldiers wore leather sandals, but they were strapped up to the knee and they were tightly fastened to the uh, soldiers' calves. Uh, 
Some say that it was actually the idea of strapping them so tightly was invented by Alexander the Great. Well, if it wasn't, it was at least advocated, utilized by him. Now, these sandals had nails or pieces of metal driven into the bottom of them or through the soles so that they had greater traction and stability. This was probably the first form of cleats that existed. But these sandals allowed soldiers to be sure-footed so they wouldn't slip as they ran to battle or as they were engaged in battle. What's the spiritual meaning of the shoes of peace or the good news shoes, you can call them? Well, what is the footwear? Y'all tell me what you've already picked up. What is the footwear? Somebody tell me. What? No. <laughs> Not today. Y'all have to be careful now because these are specific, specific pieces of armor. Now they do overlap and you'll see that, but you have to be careful as any message. So yes, every message is about Jesus, but that isn't the answer to every question. So righteousness isn't, the, the spiritual meaning of this footwear is not the gospel of peace. It appears that it is. It's not. It's what results from the gospel of peace. Our footwear is the readiness that results from the gospel of peace. Now, it's subtle, but it's different. Peace with God prepares me for battle or readies me for battle. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight, now, what is that being made right in God's sight? Justification. That's exactly right. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord has done for us. So by faith in the gospel message, which is just simplified, Christ died for our sins. When we believe that, we are forgiven and we are no longer enemies of God. We have become friends. We're friends to him. He's, our, he's friends to us. Romans chapter five, verse 10. And that may be a foreign thought that we are ever enemies of God, that we were ever at odds from God. But the scripture plainly lays that out because if we have not believed in him by faith, if we're not committed to follow him, then we are his enemy and he is ours. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, the hostility, and hostility doesn't have to be um, you raging or declaring ugly things about God or denouncing him. It's just disbelieving. Simply ignoring or disbelieving God is as oppositional as you can be toward him. So the hostility which existed between us and God is removed by faith. Faith is a Greek word, pistis. It can be translated belief, faith, trust, persuade. 
and reliance, which is my, actually my preferred translation, is that we rely on the fact that Jesus' death was sufficient for the Father to declare us forgiven. So sometimes we almost flip it so that faith is something we're mustering. But what it actually is, it's standing in reliance, in dependence that Christ's death was sufficient. You see the difference? That's what our faith is. And so we've been declared right with him, by him. And because of that, we have peace with him. With this peace within, we can resist attempts by Satan to discourage us with the threat of condemnation for sin. Do you believe everyone knows there's a God? No, do y'all believe that everyone knows there's a God? I was saying it to this group. Do you believe? Ecclesiastes said eternity is in the heart of every person. Now they may deny it, but why are they so angry about eliminating, whether they be the Ten Commandments or um, you know, nativity scenes on a courthouse lawn? Why are they so, so vengeful about removing it unless they believe it's true? They don't have the same vengeance against Santa Claus or against the Easter Bunny, but they know there's a God and Satan will whisper to them that they're headed for condemnation. They're in trouble with God because of their sin. But we can disregard those words from Satan because we've been justified. Are you perfect before God? Y'all are doing so much better than that nine o'clock crew. <laughs> they mostly, most of them said no. They'd been schooled on some of that old teaching that so emphasized you're, you're sinful, you're sinful, you're sinful. You are not sinful in the eyes of God. You are perfect in the eyes of God. Otherwise, there's no peace, you see? Now, yes, sanctification is improvement, and we'll consider that. But we stand before God completely perfect, fully accepted, and he knows everything. We can't enter battle clear-headed if we're uncertain about our connection to God. We won't be sure-footed when attacked if our commitment to God is unstable. So having peace with God not only includes our standing, our position before him, but it also includes trusting him in difficult circumstances. And I don't think this is easy. When situations in our lives are not going well, anybody have any situations that aren't going well right now? Let me see them. You have any situations that are not going well? Life is full of those situations. Sometimes we have little windows where things seem to be going well, right? And that lasts about 15 minutes. 
And then there's problems with parents, problems with children, problems at work, problems in the neighborhood, because God didn't intend for us to live a completely stress-free life. He intended for us to live a life dependent on him to provide peace. But what happens when trouble arises, and it so often does, demons will whisper that we should doubt God's love. That he doesn't care. He's not concerned about you. But if we truly know God by experience with him, we will trust him. And we will have peace despite our problems. Philippians chapter 4, page 948. Also behind me. Don't worry about anything. Can you do that? Everybody can do that? Don't worry about anything. That's what, well, isn't that what it says? Don't worry about anything. Instead, what's it say? Pray about everything. So if you are wrapped up in worry, I would ask this question. Are you spending time in prayer? Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. In other words, gratefulness comes in. Then, after prayer, after thankfulness, maybe after a lot of prayer, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Because the circumstances of your life seem to be oppositional to peace. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as what? What's the rest of it say there? It's back there. In other words, will you find peace in this world? Are y'all sure of that? Peace will be found one place. In Christ. Well, but I have to live in this world. No, not really. You do reside in this world, but you can live in the presence of God. And the only place you'll find peace is through prayer in God's presence. Our prayers don't always change our predicaments. Have you noticed that? But they change our perspectives. When we talk to God, and it may be at some great lengths, it may not happen after one short prayer. It may be days of prayer and fasting. But when we talk to God, we bring him into the foreground of our minds. And we push our problems and worries into the background. They're still there. But no longer do they dominate your existence. And so we experience peace in God's presence. You think that's possible? You think it's possible anywhere else?
It's not. Having peace with God because our sins are forgiven, experiencing peace within ourselves because we can trust him in the midst of our problems, it makes us ready. Ready for what? Battle, but specifically today. Today's message. Ready for what? To spread the gospel. Tell our faith stories. What are some other words? Give you testimony. What else? Witnessing, that's another one. And in, in all cases, those refer to evangelism. So here's how readiness to witness, to evangelize, to testify, you could put any of these words in here, resist spiritual enemies. First, remember, readiness means preparation, which is the new living, what the new living translates the Greek to be, but also eagerness or willingness to spread good news. Now, what does a witness do? You ever been to court? What does a witness do? Tells what? what is, what's he telling? He's telling the truth as he has seen and heard it. A witness tells his or her version, experience of, of an occurrence. Readiness to witness first provides us with purpose. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 18, and you'll find it on page 932. And all of this, and he's talking about the transformed life, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. See, we're born in sin. We're not born connected. We're born separate. And he brings us back through his son. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Boy, what an important assignment. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is an official representative who speaks with authority. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Who are you pleading with? Who have you issued that invitation to? When we become that we have the ability, but also the responsibility to speak for God to people who are outside of Christ, it will provide to us meaning, purpose, motivation for our lives. You know, you may say, well, my job's not very important or I've retired a few years ago. I don't really have anything significant 
to do. I'm not having any influence. Well, how about inviting people into eternity? How's that for influence? And you've been called to that task. And you've been authorized for that task. God's given us a great honor, a wonderful privilege to express this good news, this great news to people. You have the ability to invite people to receive what they need most. Think about that. Forgiveness of their sins. Freedom from guilt and shame. Acceptance by God. Eternity in heaven. You possess the ability to invite people into that. What a great honor that is. I mean, most of us, I can't even invite you to go to the YMCA for free. But I can invite you into an eternal existence with God. So why do we minimize that great privilege? Representing God to people who may be unaware, even skeptical of what we're saying, should cause us to firm up our allegiance to and our awareness of God. I mean, if you, if you see yourselves as God's spokesman, won't you seek to know him? A determination to speak for Christ, calling people back to God, will focus our attention on discovering faith. What does faith consist of? How does it work in your life? And as you're focusing on plumbing the depths and the meaning of faith, it'll defend you from devilish diversions and distractions. See, some of us are living with indifference about our spiritual lives. We think we're saved, and so beyond that, we're complacent toward God and toward others. We're indifferent about His work, and so that causes us to be very inconsistent in following Christ, which makes us extremely susceptible to temptation. The devil and his demons are looking for people whose lives are aimless, directionless, who allow this culture to form their thinking, to determine their path as they move from one popular fascination to another. It's interesting how how many of us are moving from one thing to the next. We got to look on Pinterest to see what we ought to buy. And we look on social media to discover what our opinion should be. And demonic forces descend on people whose knowledge of God is shallow. Whose commitment to him is unsettled. People with passion for God and energy for his work, those people are not easy targets for Satan. But some of us are just sitting around like sitting ducks. 
easy marks, easy targets. Do you have a clear purpose for your life? Are you spreading good news? Readiness to witness will promote righteousness. Now here's where righteousness comes in. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. On page 952 in in this Bible available here. Live wisely among those who are not believers. You have any non-believers that you live near or you work with or you know? What about in your family? You think, oh, I got a lot of unbelievers in my family. Wonderful. Because that will help you be alert and keep you ready. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Do you realize that you're representing God among those friends of yours who aren't believers? You say, well, they don't want to hear it. Oh no, but you're called to take it to them. Now they may, you may become less popular and you might get invited to fewer things, but see, you're not called to this world to have all the fun you can have. You're called as an ambassador for Christ who's ready to share his message. And readiness to witness requires us to look for opportunities, opportunities to share our faith stories, but to treat the people we talk to with kindness and to respond to their questions with respect. See, if if I have concern for people coming to Christ, I will be careful about the way I live, won't I? I will avoid attitudes and and actions that will damage my credibility. I'll be careful that my faith is expressed in sincere ways because I'll, I'll be very sensitive about the fact that hypocrisy from me will undermine my words. A lack of conviction about my beliefs will destroy my testimony. Look at this. This is Peter writing instead of Paul. First Peter says this, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Do we see ourselves as that? Boy, some of us are dug in here, aren't we? And yet we're living here temporarily. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. So we always have concern for those that are watching. Well, 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 that's not authentic. Oh yeah, it's completely authentic. Don't we live in ways that are thoughtful of others? That's not inauthentic, That's, that's as authentic as we can be. If I'm focused on concern for the spiritual state of others, I will avoid immorality, anger, pride, materialism, other self-centered pursuits. I'll live my faith authentically, honestly, 
without pretense, but also without false spirituality. You know what I mean by false spirituality? Some people talk a lot of Jesus talk. You know what I'm talking about? And somehow those people are always attracted to me. And I, don't, I can't understand what they're talking about. I'm not that spiritual. You know, some folks have come and they would start talking and it was like smoke would start filling the office. I couldn't, you know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Joe? You don't know? Holy, holy talk. People that have a whole lot of holy talk. You know what I'm talking about. You folks working in mission field, the, the, the real Christian folks don't help your efforts with the normal folks. They need us to be authentic, genuine. I think Jesus didn't stand out until he spoke truth. Because they went, well, who is this guy? He's Mary and Joseph's son. And so we need to be normal with people who are lost. The devil and his demons, they're going to point, point out every weakness, every mistake. And they will emphasize every regret from our past. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite this person to church. I'm going to tell a little bit of my story. And then you'd hear that whisper. No, you remember what you've done. You ever have that happen? Well, let me tell you this. All of us have some of those days. It may have been just a word we said. It may have been an action. It may be only a couple of things in our lives. But we're going to hear it. That whispered threat. Who do you think you are? But that's when you remember that you're justified. And that we're moving towards sanctification. See, the proof of our faith is not perfection in a practical matter. But what it, the proof of our faith is that we're improving. We're becoming more like Jesus. And people that we're reaching... They understand, they even appreciate the fact that you're not completely perfect in every way. But the fact that you're making progress will give them hope. I mean, think of the most perfect person you know. Do they encourage you or intimidate you? Which one? Well, y'all are better than me. They intimidate me. We don't need someone who's absolutely perfect. That doesn't give us hope. What gives us hope is seeing someone who's improving. We don't have to be sinless to be believable, but we have to be willing to admit mistakes, apologize for offenses, attempt to resolve conflicts, especially the ones we've created. So here's the question. Is my behavior consistent with my declared beliefs because if I am going to be a witness we need to have integrity readiness to witness also prevents fear does the idea of telling someone your faith story frighten you y'all be honest does it sometimes 
Who does it? Do you have the courage to say, I'm scared? Let me see. Well, let me tell you, when you're in a situation where someone is placed for you to speak to, Satan will emphasize your lack of biblical knowledge. He'll remind you that there are a lot of questions you can't answer. Has that ever happened to you? Well, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at this. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for the sake of the good news. You might be rejected, but you're still called to share good news, to tell your story in a humble way. And when we rely on the strength that God provides us through the presence of the Spirit who has been given to us, we can reject being controlled by personal insecurities. And we can resist intimidation by demonic forces. See, when when an opportunity, when you recognize an opportunity, you only have to tell your story. You only have to spell out the experience you've had with Jesus in your life. And who's who's the expert on that subject? Who is? You are. So who can challenge your experience? No one can challenge that. And the Spirit will even provide you the words to speak. Luke 12 says, verses 11 and 12. So, you know, sometimes people will ask you questions you don't know the answer to. Well, you want me to give you the response to that? You ready to hear it? Here's the response. I don't know. Well, they're asking because they don't know. You know, when I first entered ministry, oh, it was awful because I thought I had to know all the Bible verses. You know, people would say, well, you know this verse, you know where it is and I... Now I say, I don't know, but my concordance knows. And so I can find it. So if people ask you, even the difficult questions, the problem of pain, how does tragedy occur? The creation of the world. You don't have to know all those answers. You just have to say, I don't know, but I'll look into it. And you want to talk about it? And then you show your concern and your honesty by admitting you don't know. You know, here's help. Mark Taylor's offering a seminar, The Gospel Through Story, uh, on Sunday, October 23rd at 4 p.m. up in the balcony room. That's the new room up there where the bookstore used to be. You have to sign up for it by the 19th, but you can sign up for it online. And it's going to help you learn how to tell the gospel story, but also use your story to explain the gospel. So it may be something you're interested in. You know, sometimes when you talk to someone about the gospel, you do have to address sin issues. We can't say, oh yeah, God wants to save you and it doesn't matter anything about your life. It does matter about your life. Sin is what separates us from God. But when you're asked and someone says, well, this is my lifestyle. Are you telling me that's wrong? Well, it's not, you're not the authority on that issue. 
but you can't back away from the truthfulness, see? God determines right and wrong, but you have to determine whether you agree with God because the gospel is biblical. Well, so are God's standards, but it's not you proving something's wrong. It's you communicating what God's already declared wrong. And so we can't be afraid to tell God's truth. And this culture, because so many Christians are afraid to say anything, look at the insanity in our culture. Y'all know that now there's certain places, certain even colleges, you can't say there's two genders. Don't get wrapped up in that foolishness. God made them male and female. If somebody wants to do this craziness, don't support that. But that doesn't mean become cruel, become dogmatic. Just say, there's two genders. Marriage is between a man and a woman and sex is for marriage. You just humbly say what God says because that is part of the same word that communicates the gospel to us. Our purpose is never to shame people for their sins. Do you think by shaming people, you bring them to repentance? No. But when you lovingly speak truth to people, because I believe people know. If you can get them to be honest, they know what's right. They know what's wrong most of the time. They may fight you, but inside they're fighting themselves. So our call is to lovingly speak truth so that people can experience freedom from sin so they can receive what God wants for them, a better life, freedom. And here's the other thing. At the bottom, do you know that you're not responsible for converting people? Do you know that? Do you think you can, you can convert them? No. no. We're, we're essential in the process because we share the gospel, the good news. We tell our story. We tell what Jesus has done. And then we just step back and let the Holy Spirit work. That's why you can tell a little of your story. And if the Spirit's drawing, they'll come back and ask for more. The Holy Spirit alone convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit alone convinces people of truth. And demons can't overpower the Holy Spirit because as the scripture said, now, now demons can impede the gospel. But when the devil or demons attack us and attempt to frustrate our efforts, Remember, Satan himself is no match for the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is within you, the Spirit, than the one that's in the world. And you know this first, James 4, 7. Humble yourselves before God, which means submit yourselves to God's direction. Offer yourself to God's control. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. We can stand firm with our feet fitted or shorn with readiness, with preparation 
that comes from the gospel of peace. Has fear silenced your witness? Trust in the spirit to empower and equip you. Here's my question before I let you go. Will you ask God to give you someone to reach with good news? Let me see your hands. Will you? Will you ask God to give you someone to reach? It will change how you approach your faith. There'll be people here that'll be happy to talk to you about the good news, the gospel, who will pray with you about coming to faith, who will anoint you with oil for healing. They'll begin a relationship with you that doesn't have to end in 10 minutes. It can continue. But let's be ambassadors, pleading with people to come back to God. Father, I pray that we would be a people who are fully prepared by your spirit and always ready to take advantage of the opportunity to share your good news. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. The series Spiritual Warfare continues in our next episode. And to prepare, read Psalm 18, verses 30 through 36, and Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org, or call 864 688 8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you like this podcast, leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening and have a great week.